Hi, and welcome to Health, Wealth and the Pursuit of Happiness, a podcast that will empower you to live a more inspired life and find real freedom. Each episode, Mark Dale Mazer and Aries Jimenez discuss best life practices, covering topics ranging from health and well-being, to true wealth and our relationship to money, to understanding what real freedom and happiness really is. They provide tools and a system for helping you live a balanced, authentic life in complete harmony with your mind, body and soul. Season 2, Episode 1. Welcome. Hi, everyone. My fellow podcaster, Aries, how are you today? I'm doing good. Excellent. Here we are. Well, we've made it to Season 2 and we're excited to be here. Season two, dedicated to a broad overview of health, wealth, and the pursuit of happiness, setting some more foundational stones for our listeners to live life in their most complete, fullest, best way. But before we kind of dive into a little bit about this season coming up, I would just like to share a few little housekeeping items post-season one. First of all, we would really encourage and love everyone's feedback on the topics that we're covering, any topics you'd like us to cover relative to the subject that we are holding near and dear to our hearts and sharing with you. So that's number one. And you can do so by going to the website and simply uh, sending us uh, some feedback on the feedback form. Pretty easy. Number two, very important in the development and then the growth of a podcast are its listeners rating the podcast and leaving comments. So if you would be so kind to take the time and rate the podcast, we would greatly appreciate it if you have not done so yet. And in addition to that, please leave a comment and let other potential listeners learn a little bit about what the experience was like for you. Number three, also tied to the growth of the podcast and getting more listeners, Aries and I are doing this, it's a very spiritual heart-led mission for us, and we want to reach as many people on the planet as we possibly can. No question, this will not be, even though we think it is for everyone, not everyone will necessarily gravitate and resonate with it, and that's totally cool, but we don't know who will and who won't, and so we look to you our listeners, and those that are subscribing to our podcast to please share with friends, families, and colleagues, which we would greatly appreciate. That's all I have in the way of housekeeping. So let's now quickly focus on season two. What, my friend, would you like to see as a takeaway from this season? So in season two, we are definitely going to be touching on health, wealth, and happiness, each one of those as a topic, and exploring kind of what that means in the more general sense, as well as kind of what Mark and my definition is of it, and kind of what our understanding is of it, and how we should be, I guess, approaching our lives in each one of those areas. And so with that said, in this first episode regarding, uh, we'll be touching on health. Health is the conversation. I mean, not just health, but health and wealth, well-being. What do each of those mean? What are some of the things that we can be doing to kind of increase our levels and just broaden our awareness regarding each one of those areas? And then 
as well as sharing with all of you 14, we'll be introducing to you 14 constructs of well-being, which I think will be very beneficial. And then the whole concept of developing skills and practices that we'll need to just make sure that we we sustain high level of health and well-being. So uh, exactly. Yeah, really, really hope you enjoy the episode. And again, like Mark mentioned, love to hear back from you, get some feedback and share any other topics that you'd like us to explore. Cool. Sounds like a great intention. And for me, my intention for this season, in season one, our intention was to really lay the building blocks for a, a life that is built on a true and a big vision and how you get there and how you can sustain it. And so to that end, having a very strong intention as well in support of that inspired life to live healthy, to live wealthy, and to live happy. To have those three experiences in their fullness as we will, I think, define much more broadly And with that definition, hopefully bring a different awareness and level of education to our listening audience on the topics of health, wealth, and happiness. And most importantly, to hopefully be an influencer to raise the bar for each of our listeners in the area of health, wealth, and happiness, and what that can really mean for them, and fully support that great life. So if any of that's happening and moving the needle, we are happy that that's happening. So with that, let's move on to season two and episode one. So Mark, to start a conversation about health, I always like to go and start with definitions. That really helps me kind of put things in context and then have a conversation, kind of go from there. Yeah. So health, from the World Health Organization standpoint, they define it as a state of complete physical, mental, and social well-being, and not merely the absence of disease or infirmity. Wikipedia's definition is health may be defined as the ability to adapt and manage physical, mental, and social challenges throughout life. So one thing that jumps out at me regarding both definitions is it talks about the physical, mental, and social aspects of life but based off of our past discussions we think it's a lot more than that we do so you want to expand on that a little bit i would like to expand on that i agree with you i think they're they're good definitions but i don't think they just go far enough and i think for us we want to bring an awareness to our audience about how much broader subject of health really is and the reason i think that the more expansive view is important is because these are clearly other leading factors that impact health, these additional ones that we're going to talk about. When we look at it on a more global view, as you and I have discussed, we pretty much see it as follows, that there is the physical component, there's clearly sort of the the mental and the emotional component, but there's also an intellectual piece. There's also an environmental piece. There is the social piece. 
we could even go as far as to talk about vocational health as well. And then there's what you and I feel are probably is one of the more foundational parts of health, which is our spiritual health. Now, the reason I think we should all look at this is without a doubt that if you have all the pieces, that when one or two pieces are a little bit out of balance, because we've got, let's say, a handle on all the other pieces, and we're living life intentionally around all those other pieces, that overall, the one or two that may be out of balance are not going to impact us quite as great as a sum total of our well-being. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And and you bring up well-being, and that's definitely part of the one of the definitions, right, regarding the, the World yes. Health Organization. Yes. And so it's kind of hard to talk about health without talking about well-being. You know, both of them are, are interconnected. You know, they kind of mean the same thing, but they don't. So we'll, we'll want to talk about the differences between the two. You know, one of the things regarding the Wikipedia definition that I really like is it, you know, it talked about the ability to a- adapt and manage, you know, challenges throughout life in each one of these areas. One of the things that I think about is in, in order to adapt and manage, those are skills and some practices that we need to incorporate in our lives. So we'll touch on that a little bit. And then the other definition also talked about it's not merely just the absence of disease too, right? So an example of that is, you know, for my physical health, and I think physically, that's the area that comes to mind first for me when I think about health. And I think that's the case for most people. But like right now, I would say there's an absence of disease right now. I don't feel sick. Outside of my allergies, if, you know, for our audience, if you could kind of tell I'm a little stuffy, it's because of the allergies. But outside of that, I don't really have anything major going on, so I would consider myself relatively healthy, right? But that definition is saying that's only part of it. It's not just merely the absence. There's this whole other side, which is the well-being side. So let's talk about well-being for a minute and going into some definitions for well-being, right? So doing my research in preparation for this episode, I came across an article. It was on Psychology Today, and it was about well-being. Great article. We'll reference it in our notes for the audience to reference and go back to later on. But it says, well-being is the experience of health, happiness, and prosperity. It includes having good mental health, high life satisfaction, and a sense of meaning or purpose. More generally, well-being is just feeling well, right? So that's one definition. And then dictionary.com defines it as a good or satisfactory condition of existence, a state characterized by health, happiness, and prosperity. So both definitions, we have health, happiness, and prosperity. Well-being is definitely a state. It's something that's that's always changing, right? A state is, is something that's always changing, right? And then, you know, it talks about existence, kind of like, you know, how are we existing in, in this world? Like, how's life? Yeah, what's the quality of the existence? Exactly. You know, is it high? Is it low? And I think those are two words that, I mean, when we describe well-being, what words do we use? Is it, I have good well-being? Is it, I have a high level of well-being? Like, like how would you describe your well-being? Being? I would define my well-being, I'll start with the definition, because we could, I think we all have a different framework in terms of this word or this saying or phrase. 
well-being for me is really the holistic network of everything working together, achieving a state, a state of well-being or a state of dis-ease is kind of how I look at it. With respect to some of the work that one of my Chinese medical practitioners, Jim Reese, who I've referenced in earlier podcasts and probably will mention a couple times in this one, since it's on the subject of health, is his whole view on the responsibility that we should all take for ourselves is to understand what the pathway is of disease. And he looked at everything in these terms of pathways, that there is a path that will lead you to disease and there is a path that will lead you to well-being. And everybody's state of well-being or state of disease is going to fluctuate. And sort of the other thing is, like in your example, which many of us hold this view that you generally feel good and so you view yourself as healthy. But that can be a little bit of a misnomer because we can feel good. How many people do we know that we've heard of, I should say, that let's say were of an ideal weight, extremely active, felt wonderful, went out for a jog, and dropped out of a heart attack. Would you say that person was a person of well-being? I mean, generally speaking, you don't just die of a heart attack without some slow evolution of a breakdown of some kind of system or, or organ. Now, there are a lot of reasons why people have heart attacks. One of them is coronary artery disease. And that has really nothing to do with the heart. It just has to do with our arteries and the ability of, for blood to freely flow through the arteries. Those don't just overnight plug up, plug, slowly plug up over time. And you could be feeling really good during that period of time. But you would think in that, in that process of those arteries clogging up that there'd be some, some sort of symptoms, right? Sometimes there is, and sometimes there isn't. I think that for the super attuned person, there probably are more recognizable symptoms. And the other thing that's tricky is sometimes those symptoms don't show up in the area that the problem actually exists. It shows up in another part of your body. So it's a tricky thing, and it isn't quite so precise. It is all science, but it's not so easy to predict, and it's not so always so easy to track because, again, we're very complex beings. And I think when we go back to this matrix and this the sections of the pie that make up our health and well-being, Sometimes if we're just, let's say, super strong in one area, it can overshadow because it can, I think if our energy, for example, is extremely high, it can somewhat compensate for some of these other areas of our body or our our mind that are really at a lower vibrational level, that we're not quite as in tune to it because our energy level in some of these other areas are so high, it kind of drowns out what potentially could be a symptom. Sure. And that's actually one of our survival mechanisms, okay? That when one part isn't working, others kind of like rally and kind of carry the weight. So what do you do in that situation then? How should we be approaching our health and well-being? That is the magic question. And I think this is what 
preventative care is really all about. And this is why good life practices are so important. And the whole reason, even for my somewhat disciplined and fanatical view of this, was because I realized that in looking at disease in other people, that there were not always clear symptoms until it was too late. And so for myself personally, I wanted to lower the risk. I wanted to take as much risk out of the pathway disease path as I possibly could. And we do that by being intentional. We do that by being intentional. And for me, it was focusing big time on my health, particularly when I had my first experience in sort of on an educational level with Jim Reese in caring for me for my headaches. And he was a big believer in education. And the proof of the pudding was really in my experience, not only being under his care and how I felt as a result of what he was doing, but secondly, it was that I had to take responsibility for my own health and therefore I had to learn. And that's when my real deeper learning and understanding really came alive. And that's when I really started making the switch. And, and awareness, right? Because yeah. as you as you learn, I think that's part of the process of becoming aware. It is, yeah. Education is probably the most important thing you can do for your health. One of the things that I think about regarding something that you said was a pathway to health or a pathway to disease. Yes. And and I kind of I kind of tie that to our earlier conversation in, in an episode where we talk about, you know, being clear on your life vision and everything that you do, every little action that you take is either, you know, causing you to get closer to that vision exactly. right. or, you know, taking, you away, t- taking you away, you're taking a step back, right? And, yeah. and I imagine that's kind of the case with, with health and disease, right? You're, with every step that we take, we're either taking a step towards one or the other. Yeah, Absolutely. And having an understanding of what that actually means. So with respect to like pathway to disease, I could tell you the pathways to disease. And that is essentially, let's just say, I mean, theoretically, you you could take the major building blocks for a pathway to disease, and they would look like this. Unmanaged stress, feeling like you're a victim in life, not eating the food that actually supports your body, but rather hurts your body, not getting enough sleep. So a lot of it's lifestyle-based. A lot of it's food and drink-based, not having enough water, hydration. I mean, there are so many basic things that one can deviate from. The best practice is to do for your body and deviate from that. I can guarantee you it has some level of a pathway down a body that's not going to be well it's going to be very dis at ease. You know, when I when I think about that, it's making sure that we give our body what it needs first. We have to know what that is. Right, because if you don't give the body what, what it needs, then I think you can cause stress to the systems. Correct. Right? And so, because when I think about well-being, I ask myself, what would be the complete opposite? And I don't know if it's necessarily... I don't think of disease being the word or being unhealthy. I think of stress being mm-hmm. kind of almost the complete opposite of well-being. Yeah. yeah. 
And so, like you meant, like you mentioned, I, I imagine, you know, knowing how to deal with stress is a big piece to the puzzle. It here. is, yeah. Stress. My current, who I somewhat consider now my primary care provider, Alina Cepeda, who is also acupuncturist and practices Chinese medicine. She says the top three precursors to issues are pretty much diet, sleep, and stress. So one, eating the wrong foods, B, with respect to food obviously, B, not getting enough sleep, and C, not managing your stress well. When we say managing stress, what we're really talking about is a combination of practicing life in a way that keeps your risk for stress low. And when you do encounter stress, which is impossible to be in this world, and not encounter stress, that you know how to manage it. Right. And you know how to deal with it. And you know how to let it go. And you know how to process it. And not letting it essentially take hold and build in your body. Because when, when we are stressed, I feel like what that causes, it causes us to be out of balance. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think balance is another word that I think about regarding well-being is you know, when we have a very high level of well-being, I feel like our life in all areas are pretty much balanced. Yeah. You know, regarding some of those areas that we talked about regarding health, health and well-being, you know, physical, mental, emotional, intellectual, spiritual, social, all those things, those are kind of, they're very balanced. And then, you know, something happens to us, we experience something that kind of throws one of those things out of whack. Yeah, exactly. And then, so when, when, when I think about managing stress, it's once that thing throws us out of whack and we're, we're not balanced anymore, how do we get back to that place of balance? How long does it take? What process, you know, what process do we need to go through? What are some of those practices and those skills that we need to kind of hone in on to get back there? Definitely a a lot going on there. Yes. Getting back to balance is a practice. So I'll use meditation as a metaphor and an example. The magic of meditation is not that we sit in silence or we sit with a very still mind, okay? No human being can sit indefinitely with a still mind. It's virtually impossible. But the beauty of meditation is practicing the art of having a still mind and losing it and coming back to the still mind. It's constantly letting thoughts go. It's constantly being in touch with feelings. It's constantly being in touch with the now. How's your body feeling in the moment? Where's there any discomfort? How's your joy level? Whatever it is, it's constantly touching base with the here and the now. And then when the mind starts drifting off to solve a problem, worry about something, or concern itself about the past or the future, you catch it and you come back. That practice of catching, grabbing, and pulling back and letting go is the magic of it. That's what we've got to do as well with how we live our lives with respect to supporting our physical health. When we stray, and we will, we need to know how to come back and then how to possibly even compensate for how far we have strayed. So I use the 80-20 rule. 
And if I theoretically go off by 20 and end up at 60-40, I put myself back on 100% zero to kind of get back to 80-20 for some period of time until I feel, and I don't do it necessarily mathematically. I do it by a sense of how I feel. And it's a constant censoring or sensing how I'm feeling throughout the course of a day or a couple of days before I kind of know whether or not I'm somewhat getting balanced. And I always know when that is. And it's different every time. Sometimes it takes longer, sometimes it takes shorter. I think the reason for that are all these other factors that might be going on outside of my physical health, my mental, my emotional, my spiritual, my vocational, my environmental, my social, my intellectual, all those things. So they all play a part. Yeah. You know, so regarding that article that I that I came across, it had a lot of great information on there and, and something I want to share with the audience. So in the article, the author talks about these 14 distinct and reoccurring constructs yes. of well-being. There's a total of 14. And I want to just go through each one of these because I think this is a very comprehensive list that will just give you just a better understanding of what well-being really means. Okay, so the first one is happiness, right? And that's the feeling of being happy and cheerful. Second one is vitality. That's feeling energetic and full of energy. Three is calmness, feeling calm and relaxed. Four, optimism, being optimistic and hopeful. Five, involvement, feeling completely involved and engaged in what you do. Six is awareness being in touch with how you feel. Seven, acceptance, accepting yourself the way you are. Eight, self-worth, liking yourself. Nine is competence, feeling highly effective at what you do. Ten, development, feeling you are improving, developing, and advancing. Eleven is purpose, having a purpose and a mission in life. Twelve, significance, feeling that what you do is worthwhile. Thirteen is congruence, feeling that what you do is consistent with how you see yourself. And then the last one, 14, is connection, feeling close and connected to the people around you, right? I mean, that right there, you, you look at all 14 of those areas and you just ask yourself, you know, how often am I feeling this? Yeah. And that'll give you a gauge in, in regards to your actual well-being. And having gone through this list, one of the things that definitely comes to mind is as it relates to my spiritual health mm -hmm. and kind of the spiritual journey, growing spiritually has definitely helped me in a lot of these areas. Yeah. You know, whether it's, you know, practices such as, you know, for me praying or, you know, again, just the, the whole concept of God and, you know, being here on earth for a reason, you know, back to purpose. And then, you know, even acceptance too. I, I think, you know, on here it says accepting yourself the way you are, but I, I think it's also not just accepting yourself, but accepting others. Yes. Too. Well, if you, if you don't accept yourself, you'll never accept others. That's a great point. Don't forgive yourself. You will don't, cannot I, I forgive, forgive others. others. That's so true. Yeah. Yeah, it starts with you. It does. Always does. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, taking looking at that list, Mark, I mean, do you have any thoughts or insights that kind of jump out at you? Well, my first thought is I think this 
list is fantastic. I mean, if you had to deconstruct everything around well-being and what goes into it, I think these 14 words really define, I think, psychology today in that article is really spot on. I love it. And what I love about it is the opportunity, again, to be able to assess where we are when we're given an idea of, let's say, something we, we can label that we can get our, you know, our hands around and identify that makes up this matrix of well-being. And to know at any point when any of those 14 points are out of whack, again, is key to the monitoring and key to one's awareness and being on top of this. Sure. And then making some level of change to bring any of these back into a harmonious stage or some level higher than it might currently be. So one of the things that I love is being able to sort of give and rate any of these 14 at any given point. And it would be a great exercise for us to actually do ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Which I'm anxious to do and kind of see where I'm at and then begin to kind of monitor that over the course of time and, and keep that, again, top of mind from an understanding and an awareness standpoint. And not just that, but I, I also think about the skills and practices and that each one of these, you know, these 14 constructs, reoccurring constructs, they have their own skill and practice that are tied to them, right? Like, so when we talk about these skills and practices that will allow us to deal with stress and, and kind of develop high levels of well-being and health, we could just look at each one of these and what are the things that we could be doing to increase our level of happiness, vitality, calmness, so on yes, and so forth, right? right, exactly. And we'll get into more detail on that. Yeah, for another episode. I mean, so our hope in regards to having this conversation about health and well-being with this initial conversation is to talk about some of the topics that are coming out, you know, and exploring some of these in more detail in future episodes. So definitely when we talk about stress, skills and practices, diet, I imagine diet and nutrition, sleep. I would imagine those subjects will come up sure. in greater detail. What else do we want to touch on here? Maybe just share some some personal experiences, moments in your life where you've you felt maybe the the most stressful or kind of out of balance, and maybe your your well being was was not at a very high level. Yeah. I mean, what are some some situations or instances that you could think back to? I can think of two examples that are not necessarily earth shaking moments, but when I was suffering from somewhat debilitating headaches in my 20s, that was something I was acutely aware of, that when I was in the throes of that, nothing was right. Nothing was right. Mentally, it was not good. Emotionally, it was not good. Spiritually, I might as well have been disconnected completely. I wish I would have been disconnected from my body in some way because of the pain. That was probably the most profound disconnect, which I think is somewhat significant, at least it was for me, the the kind of feeling of the disconnection from kind of where I felt normal. So it was a very foreign feeling and it was very hard to live with and difficult. And so 
certainly one of the outcomes of that was I knew I couldn't tolerate it, and I knew at some point I'd have to fix it. It served its purpose because for me, those headaches were clearly a teacher for me to get on a path that was very focused on better lifestyle and much better eating. Because I grew up in a home that had very little focus on healthy eating. It was all convenience eating. It was the the era of the prepared packaged food. And as a homemaker, my mom, which had every great intention to certainly keep us healthy, was completely unaware and was not even, I think, remotely interested in in discovering what it was that could keep a loaf of bread on a shelf for a year without getting moldy. How's that possible? She just thought it was a wonderful thing. Sure. And how could bread be so freaking white? Whiter than snow. How's that possible? You don't naturally question some of those things. You no, think if it's course, out there, it's correct. it's got to be good correct. for you or then else you they the wouldn't other, be right. out there, right? Exactly. And then you got the other part of it, which is my children love it. That's a good thing. Yeah. They love it. It makes them happy. Of course. Who wouldn't love sugar? Who wouldn't <laughs> love things that basically are literally manufactured to taste better than everything that's natural? And so, boom, I was really set up to fail there without any idea of what was going on. And there's no question which, and I will share this in a lot more detail with our listening audience, because I do think it bears and is worthy of sharing. But when I went through the major revolution with changing my lifestyle and my diet, I could not believe the power that food had in changing my body at a cellular level. Yeah. It was inconceivable to me. Of course, to my practitioner, Jim, it was just, this is how it works, bro. This is how it works. When you really break it down. When you really break it down, and it's real simple. We're really designed to do it this way. So you do it this way with this stuff, and it will take care of itself. And I could never at first imagine how that was possible. And bingo, it was possible. So that's probably my best example. And then recently, I'd say more later in life, one of the things that has been extremely evident to me is that when I don't move my body in the right way, it will eventually begin to compromise other parts of my well-being. It will compromise my emotional, definitely my mental, and to some degree, my spiritual. I mean, it just touches everything. And I've realized over the years that probably the most important thing I could do is move my body. So when I am in my good physical body routine, life is good. It provides a certain baseline. And all of us, in the interest of our well-being, need to find what that is for us. It's different for everybody. It might be movement, and it might be physical for a lot of people, but my movement and your movement might not be quite the same. Right. It's going to be different. It took me years of focus, intention, and awareness to get the feedback from my body till I finally found the rhythm. 
And the rhythm for me is early to bed, early to rise. It's as soon as I got out of bed, I have to move. Now that movement could be yoga, that movement could be walking. It's actually better that I don't meditate right out of bed, but that I'm actually moving my body. And so the perfect routine for me, and this may change as I continue to age as well, but the perfect movement for me is out of bed, head outside and walk. So I do that 30 to 45 minute walk pretty much every morning. And then I come back and then I meditate. And I sit in the practice. Now my body has already moved. So when I get up, I'm not as stiff. Those two things will clear my head better than anything. Again, these are things that you have done over the course of, the, of years, these practices, right? I've had years. That now they're just kind of, they've developed into habits. Yes. Right? So one of the things I want to touch on really quick is the idea of these practices, right? And that these are activities and actions that we take on a consistent basis over a long period of time where until things just become natural and become a habit for you, right? It's kind of like, you know, when you're in sports and, you know, what's the whole reason? Why do you have practice, yeah, right? Exactly. Why do you do that? Right. You do things, you practice these drills, you know, you practice shooting the basketball how many times until it just becomes second nature yeah. to you, right? Yeah. You just keep doing it over and over again, right? Exactly, yep. So in regards to my life, and when I think about, you know, times in my life where I, I felt maybe the most stress, I would say most most recently definitely has to deal with me being a parent. And I, I would look at, you know, I think about every single, so I have three boys, right? Every single time I had a new child, just because you, you go through that transition and it kind of changes the dynamic, right? I think change can cause stress too, right? But then, you know, you think about having a, a newborn, one, your sleep schedule changes. And because of that, it does have an effect on your energy as well as maybe some of the routines that you're used to. It kind of throws a wrench in all of that. So your eating isn't as, as good. You're probably eating, you know, for convenience and probably eating quick. Just a lot of those things. I, I feel like, you know, I've experienced a lot of, I won't say stress, but I definitely wasn't in balance each one of those times. And each one of those times was a little bit different. So that's something that, that I think about in regards to, you know, times in my life where I felt some stress. So, so change. Change. Good you bring that up, how we deal with change. Change is a big thing too. And I have had the blessing of having the opportunity to observe my mother-in-law's life, okay, who is now 90, and she is a master of dealing with change. And one of the things that she is unbelievable about, which would, to me, if I had to put my finger on one thing, that what makes her 90, reach 90, and I mean a good 90, okay? playing bridge three times a week. This woman has not missed a beat. Other than she can't, she can't move like she was moving in her 30s or 40s, but her quality of life is so high. And the reason is how she looks at change. Sure. She does not, she rolls with change. She does not resist change. She doesn't fight it. She doesn't ruminate about it. She doesn't wish it away. 
nothing. She just meets it head on, deals with it, goes with it, readjusts. It's, it is something to behold. So she's a wonderful example of that, to see it modeled and to see the power in that. So I'm glad you bring that up because the stress factor from change can be a real issue for people. And that's the whole thing about understanding the mechanics of our health in terms of mental and emotional is that it's never the thing. It's how we react to the thing. How we respond to it. 99% of the things that happen to us are very benign, okay? What gets us is our reaction to it or our resistance to it and how we deal with it. And if there was any change that any of us could make in our overall well-being and health, it's to one understand how we are able to really change the way we react to things. That's a choice. It's based on a belief system. It's based on an agreement sort of unconsciously that we've had over our whole lifetime or lifetimes. But it's all changeable when we're conscious of it and we set the intention. One of the things that comes to mind for me as well regarding you know stress is just the power of living a simple life. Yeah. Because a lot of times when we feel stressed, we have so much going on. You're trying to do too many things. And maybe doing things too that you probably shouldn't be doing, right? Like maybe. we, yeah, you yeah. feel you're spending your time on things that maybe don't matter to you, or you're trying to live up to certain expectations, right. or you know, you have just certain responsibilities that you don't really want, right? And so that's one of the things that I think about as well as just simplifying and just focusing on the things that matter to you. So, an example of that in my life is just because I've taken some steps to try to simplify just things at home because things can get crazy, having kids, toys, the chores, laundry, all that stuff. But, you know, try to reduce some of those things that need to get done and getting rid of the stuff that we've accumulated over the years because, you know, the more stuff you have, you know, just the more time and the energy it takes to kind of manage and deal with that stuff. And so, like, I know, like, when I think about being stress-free, like, I think about being on a vacation, right? And so, when you go on a vacation outside of, you know, maybe the whole airport thing, because sometimes that can stress me out, right, being around people and just rushing. But when you check into the hotel, you check into this hotel room that's nice and clean. It has exactly, it just has everything that you need and nothing more. And so, you just have this environment where there's, you know, like, it's not much. It's just very... It's very simple, right? It's environmental well-being. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's one of the things that I think about regarding my, my home life is I'm trying to create an environment that's, that's similar to that. Yeah, yeah. Just getting rid of all that, just creating the, the right environment. Yeah, simplicity goes a long way yeah. for most of us in that regard. Yeah, in terms of how we're living you know, and what we're doing, as well as like what we're focused on too. I think you know, tying things back to your unique ability it's my belief that you know in order to find your purpose you got to kind of find out what your unique ability is because your purpose is going to line up with that it should and if you just kind of you know again just have that simple approach and just stick stick to those those basics yeah. those things yeah, exactly i mean you'll live a much happier life healthier healthier 
and a real sense of well-being. Yep, absolutely. It's all aligned. Mind, body, soul. Mind, body, and soul. That's the focus. Mind, body, and soul. So, here we are. Yeah, so Mark, outside of that, I think we covered a ton of stuff and definitely some topics that we'll want to dig into in a lot more detail in future episodes. But do you have any closing thoughts for our audience? Closing thought is really keeping it broad, having an expanded awareness of what health and well-being is for you, defining it, get clear on it, and encourage everyone to set the intention to raise the bar on it and do so on a preventative level. Don't let anything kind of sneak up on you. But as Buddha would say, take the right action, knowing what you know. Take the right action. How about you? Anything in closing? In closing, you know, health and well-being, it's definitely, from my point of view, it's very holistic. It's taking this broad view of what, what it actually is. And, you know, we touched on all those different areas, physical, mental, emotional, and that each one of these areas, because it, they're all interconnected, you know, each one of them affects the other, both positively and negatively. So just kind of being aware and just, you know, focus on focus on one thing, the one area in your life and increase, you know, the health and well-being in that one area and it should overflow and affect all the other areas positively. Yeah, well said. Exactly. All right. So upward and onward we go on this topic. Yes. And we look forward to exploring more. Till the next episode. Indeed. Some of the concepts and tools used in the process of helping you discover a more balanced and inspired life are provided by the Kinder Institute, Money Quotient, and The Strategic Coach. These may be referenced throughout different episodes of the podcast, and you can learn more about each of them in our show notes at hwph.org. You can also find more information about the work Mark and Aries do at sandiegowealth.com. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn, and available directly via email with feedback, questions, and more at us at hwph.org. Thank you all for listening. Thank you.